0: Live from CUBE headquarters in Palo Alto, California. It's the Silicon Valley Friday Show with John Furrier. Okay, welcome to the Silicon Valley Friday Show. I'm John Furrier. We got three great guests here talking in the next 30 minutes or so on the top stories, most important stories here in Silicon Valley. And we got Alan Cohen, return guest, uh, guest host, again, been multiple times. Great to see you. Good to be Pat back. Calhoun, entrepreneur and stealth. Yep. We'll find out who funded you, we'll, we'll dig into that, we'll get it out of you, and of course, Tim Connors, venture capital, is also an entrepreneur, started his own fund, Pivot North VC, only doing early stage, very successful. Guys, great, uh, great to see you guys. So top news is the Raiders are moving to Las Vegas, the Oakland Raiders, they've moved before to LA, they've come back, mm-hmm. You know, Al Davis is no longer I mean, around, right but Vegas, what's your, I mean, you're a fan.
1: I, I, as a season ticket holder, and I speak for all people who go to the parking lot, and. Um, have our Sunday ritual there, um, it is a dagger in the heart to the people of the Bay Area and the loyal, faithful Raider Nation. I think it'd possibly the worst move right up there, probably with Microsoft Bob. Um, it's gonna be the <laughs> Microsoft Bob moment for the NFL because you took the one of the most loyal, profitable sports franchises. And, and, the, and the Raiders, by the way, have 20,000 people who are on the waiting list for season tickets.
2: Well, when we look back at history, It'll be the date, you know, the Raiders leaving the Bay Area will be the date of peak NFL. Uh, I think NFL, I, like that. I think NFL with all the concussion issues that, that are legit, um, as well as all of the TV watching and viewership um, uh, issues, um, millennials just aren't watching live sports, uh, so ESPN's lost tons of subscribers. It's going to impact my favorite uh, set of sports with college sports, college football, uh, as well. The next deals are going to be lower priced than the current deals and the universities are going to have to adjust to it.
0: So what do you mean by that? Do you think the numbers are going up for rights for college or down?
2: Yeah, the, the rights are locked in at an, with an accelerator every year, uh, but the viewership's going down uh, on ESPN. Even in college? And even on college. ESPN just losing subscribers. Mm-hmm. So I think Facebook Live actually is sitting in a really good position to come in as the savior. Uh, cause do we get
1: Zuckerberg to kind of run in and try to buy the team and set up to like well that would be Facebook awesome stadium, right? I, that would be
2: awesome. I, you I, I, come I, in and
1: said like every time you like you score a play, everybody goes like
0: right. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know. I mean, I love this conversation <laughs> because it's what we do. We do live streaming, but this yeah. is, speaks to a generational shift. That's we see here from the front and center. I mean, Steve Jobs saw what the iPhone, you know, over 10 years ago, a new generation, but now the media consumption, the expectation is different. Mm-hmm. We live, we grew up in a cable world. I remember when, you know, cable, oh my God, hundreds of channels, MTV, TBS Superstation, the Atlanta Braids watching baseball from outside the, the region, MSG network in New York. I mean, you got all of that awesome cable, but no one watches cable anymore.
2: That's it. And I think there's just way too much friction uh, in it. You know, uh, I do a bunch back at Notre Dame where I went undergrad, and um, uh, we have this thing called Watch N D, which is a Notre Dame channel. Uh, and then we're also broadcasting on Facebook Live. We get three to seven X tune in on Facebook Live for the exact same content wow. because every person that watches on Facebook Live has an opportunity to then like it and let their friends know about yep, it. Sure. So I think we're going to see if I was running the Grammys or one of these live award shows, I would bro- broadcast exclusively on Facebook Live, and I think you'll have a record tune-in. You think? And the
0: Facebook has that tweak algorithm where you've got to get it on there, and they're looking for longer forms. So then it kicks in your friend network and the people who like it, and then it pops on their screen. Yeah, they and have the, all kinds of gamification. Absolutely. Tricks.
2: And the issue right now, you know, cable's tried for twenty years to get customized uh, commercials, um, but they've, you know, I think eight percent of of uh, set-top boxes can give you a customized commercial. Facebook, yeah. it's a hundred percent. So. Yeah. Facebook's got this Facebook uh, go to commercial button uh, that they're in beta on. If everybody watching ESPN is watching on Facebook Live and they go to commercial and each of us sees an ad that's custom to us, the ad revenue goes through the roof. So subscription fees have been dominant in cable and ads have been sort of a nice adder. I think it can flip with Facebook So this is Facebook's
0: new beta feature where they're auto inserting commercials that producers don't have to deal with. Inventory or programming. That's right. Spikes. So if you have a
2: half-hour show, uh, normally on cable TV, there's eight minutes of commercials per half hour. Mm-hmm. You're and, not gonna, yeah. And you go to commercial. Well, with with cable TV, everybody sees the same commercial. When you go to commercial on Facebook Live, each viewer will see a custom commercial specific to them, with all of their machine learning capabilities applied to it. So I think ad revenue per hour is gonna go through the roof.
0: And what's the impact of the content market, Tim? You and I have been following this for over 10 years. We know we've known each other. The media business certainly has changed a lot with cloud computing and all kinds of stuff that's now available. It's easy to get into the media business if you take a certain approach, whether it's like what we've done with data-driven and being more nimble and agile. There's a DevOps concept of content coming online, and it's about micro-content sharing, multiple channels. I mean, most content producers in the old guard don't think that way. Publishers who make print magazines. And there's so
2: much friction with all the other guys. I I think you're in a good position, right? I'd I'd love to see you launch a a CNBC competitor on Facebook Live. because I think you could, I think you could drive a massive audience with that. Yeah. You, um, can we get him to fund it? Uh, he's, well, yeah. we've been yeah, I don't it. think we need any money. We you could do it. a little bit yeah. of a deal right here. With, yeah. with Facebook monetizing <laughs> all your ad revenue. <laughs> we I love giving Facebook did. all our cash. <laughs> um, but it'll be interesting, right? Because you, you know, Mike's they have Mike's the distribution. The key is the distribution. They have distribution, they have and ubiquitous, saying, and
1: ubiquitous distribution, yeah. right?
2: Distribution and viral distribution, and they have monetization. Well, we've been talking about
0: we'll get a partner on that, Tim. So something we've been talking, we've been talking about that for back in the podcasting days, doing a. NBC kind of thing, but now it's easier to get in the market and look at us here. So, okay, so the media business has changed, we're excited about that. Let's talk about the exciting sex appeal of augmented intelligence or artificial intelligence or alternative investments. AI is the hottest thing on the planet, and I still don't even know what it is. I went to computer science degree and AI was less programming, object-oriented, and then neural networks was more, Mm -hmm. more... You can get your arms around a neural network concept, which we, we did. Um, machine learning is obviously pretty specific. It's been around with like neural networks since the 80s. There's a post that I shared on my Facebook feed called AI Misinformation Epidemic, written by this uh, UCSD professor, now going to Carnegie Mellon, or I think he's going to go work for Amazon, I think it um, was mentioned. Jacob uh, that was named, something guess that's the last name. but. His point is, the hype of AI is at an all-time high. I was at an IBM show and I saw someone on stage, a, a, a CEO of a company saying, our new AI technology allows us to do, and he said something not profound. It was like, that's just basically predictive analytics for ad placement. like yep. how yep. is that AI? Yeah. Like, like, So guys, your thoughts on this, because you have a lot of AI washing going on. Certainly cloud's real, machine learning's real. Uh, Pat, you've been doing machine learning at ServiceNow. Now, now your new venture, you've been doing it for a while. Well, What's fact, your thoughts on this?
3: Alan and I, we worked together back in the early ni- early two thousands, and we had a startup that basically did machine learning for Wi-Fi, right? And then after that, did machine learning for security. And I think the term AI, I can't, I don't understand it either. So uh, I, I understand machine learning, I understand what that actually means, and I know how to apply it. AI to me is, is a mystery.
1: Well, I mean, you know, it's interesting. I was driving with a friend yesterday, and we were in, I know we're in Silicon Valley, show, this is going to sound like a dumb comment. We were in his Tesla, and- put it into <laughs> autonomous mode, and the car's driving 80 miles an hour, and is that artificial intelligence, or is it a bunch, bunch of algorithms taking inputs from sensors and making decisions? That's machine learning, That's right? Machine effectively, learning. right? So I think the hype crossover between machine learning, yeah. which is kind of, I don't know, 60 years of computer science, or, or longer if you go back to Pythagoras, right? Yeah. And the AI part is, the AI part is I like kind of like, it's the it's the frosting, and the machine learning applied is actually the cake, mm-hmm. and I think that's what people are kind of working their their way through. With that said, look, there is a lot of data available in the world, and parsing and making valuable judgments—not just for you know like Joe's House of Pancakes or Reineke yeah. Muffler on your Facebook feed—but those kinds of things are very attractive. Every business, Illumio mm-hmm. does that, right? We use machine yeah. learning to make decisions on whether your security policies. Should change, right? Based on algorithms, based on stream processing. So um, I think it's a great way to get funded, right? Uh, or try to get funded. You throw <laughs> the word AI in everything you do. How many AI pictures do you see? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Every single one. <laughs> every single one. I just you want know,
3: to let you know
0: that Lumio is the, the
1: leading AI segmentation um, player in the Z- market. It was play. Zachary
0: Lipton, who was the, was the guy who wrote okay. it. And a great guy, worth following. Um, and um, so, the, but the point is, I mean, I don't, I'm not out to, to kill, I mean, I love the AI, yeah. AI hype because I think AI gives a mental model for people to see what they can't see in internet of things or these some of these like you know narrow tech s- nuances mm-hmm. right internet of things what the hell does that mean right you, but you say to someone a tesla going 80 miles an hour you go oh my god that's magic So I think AI has got this magical vibe to it that gives a face to machine learning and some of the hard, under the hood stuff.
3: Right, but for me, machine learning is you're going to put the car on the highway and based on historical data, based on algorithms that we've actually designed, the car is going to make sure that it doesn't do anything stupid. AI is you just drop the car and let's see what happens. Uh, I'm not quite there yet.
0: (laughs) Well, I asked the IBM guy when I was at the uh, big, uh, one of the fellows at the show we were just at with IBM, I said. Don't you think AI is a little bit bullshit but nothing I'm complaining cuz it promotes software and gets people excited. Yes. And, and, and he show, goes and he goes and he goes he said no call it augmented intelligence. Now I think that's your point. I think if you well, say I mean, yeah. that's augmenting my driving experience with software yeah. I buy that sure. as a stricter definition but I mean come on you can't complain I mean, about AI. You've been on a
1: plane you've been on a plane lately. The pilots not flying at it. What's flying the plane, Software. right? Software's flying yeah. the plane, right? Which is talking to a bunch of systems on the ground and seeing a bunch of planes around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, the interesting thing, the, the dark side of this that actually has kind of popped up is the concept of whether machines are taking jobs, right? And I think a lot of the hype around AI are people, I think it was Carl's Jr. this week, I'm not a big Carl's Jr. person, but I read it uh, somewhere that, you know, that you know, within three years they're going to have robots, I guess, making the hamburgers. And, you know, maybe they will, maybe they won't. I, you know, it it doesn't really matter. Um, But, so I think people are wondering, is there a next generation of software and systems that will provide a, one, better set of decision making toward analytic outcomes, and number two, do things to make it cheaper? I mean that's
0: effectively You're really what get people get the burgers are cheaper. I mean Carl Jr. would be like 79 cents a burger now, or yeah. yeah. profit margins yeah. go yeah. up. Yeah.
3: But if you can I, build I, cars using robots, I think flipping a burger should be doable.
0: Yeah,
1: I think it should be pre- pretty doable, but you don't need a lot of AI to do that, no. so, do you? Yeah. Tim, yeah. Dumb- I think
2: IBM I think IBM did did the industry a great service by putting this cognitive uh, marketing mm-hmm. effort around uh, teaching people that machines could actually help them do their jobs better. Um, mm-hmm. It's Matt, you know, whatever you call it. Yeah. It's working, Yeah, mm-hmm. right? Most of it is really basic, supervised learning, statistical yeah. uh, analysis where you've got massive amounts of digital training data, and you apply that against yeah. a... Yeah,
0: and I think they were genius with Watson, because what they did was Watson wasn't actually this most epic set of algorithms, they use it as a marketing front end and then made it libraries for other innovations. So if you came to IBM Watson, you tap into natural oh. uh, you know, uh, language, processing and other stuff. But it wasn't a silver bullet by itself, they used it and Then it as it became marketing, became cognitive. They're doing the same with blockchain too, by the way. They're saying, hey, we're not going to be so Bitcoin. They're using blockchain as a, a Watson-esque move to say blockchain can disrupt supply chain. Watson can disrupt federated identity. So they're creating a new model around their cloud, hopefully to give them an advantage.
2: So I'm a a skeptic, I'm a a huge fan of AI and machine learning, and that's working. Um, I'm on the skeptical end of blockchain. I think it's a technology looking for a a problem to solve. You know, databases databases are so performant, they're more performant than you need now, right? Uh, You're
0: a skeptic in the sense of, it's hype or
2: unviable or it requires uh, an ecosystem to, to execute? I just don't think it's necessary to, so, the kind of things people are trying to solve with blockchain, mm-hmm. you know, it all, sound, it all sounded good with Bitcoin, right? Decentralized yeah. and everything. Well then everybody realized you needed audits and regulations and everything else. And so centralized databases are so performant now, you don't really need distributed blockchain, in my opinion. Yeah. So I'd rather have a, I'd rather solve a real problem rather than, I think that it's, you know, it's a whizzy technology but I don't think, I think it's going to disappoint on the market opportunity. Well, this that brings up the security
0: stuff. thing, I was going to wait, we'll get to the computer science thing on that thread with schools, but the security aspect's interesting for blockchain, but uh, we were talking before we came on that the uh, WikiLeaks announced right. the CIA tool that came out, that they released, that showed how to hack into the Cisco um, networks. This is huge, by the way. Even Cisco didn't even know about it. Cisco redeployed all their engineers literally overnight to try to figure out what the hell the CIA had for a hacking tool. So WikiLeaks just puts it out there: here's the tool to hack Cisco networks. This this is this is craterable opportunity for networks just to crumble. Well, I mean, it's a shitstorm.
3: It, it's a
1: shitstorm, but it, but it, it shows kind of kind of two, I think, biases. One, when you have 20-year-old systems in a in a contemporary world, not everything is going to stand up. I also think that there has been an over rotation on what we call in cyber as offensive versus defensive. So people have not really, as the perimeter uh, dissolved, as things like Amazon arise, and you started really pushing your computing into the cloud, people didn't rethink their kind of prevention strategy. Right, a lot Most of the focus and investment in um, cyber today is on detecting things. And when, when you miss on detecting, you have, you have the shitstorm that you talked about. So Yeah, but this yeah. is the
0: point of uh, yeah. Tim being skeptical of blockchain, which I would agree yeah. with, but I also would counter that by saying, potentially, if you think outside the box, I'm like, hey, screw Cisco routers, I'm just going to now deploy a blockchain component to have full audit capable, full federated ledger on all access devices. So you can encrypt requests end-to-end and ultimately say, hey, or is that, Pat, you're shaking your head, you think that's fantasy? Yeah. I, 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 just I, I, say it. If you think it's fantasy, just yeah, say it. No, I,
3: yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, we, We've been trying to figure out how to solve that problem for so many years, and, and yet, look at today. People are still traf- passing a lot of unencrypted un- un- traffic. So
2: I, I'm not. I'm yeah, not sure. Who the hell yet. is
0: going to solve the network problem? It's a nightmare. It's, I mean, this is a, like a-
2: AWS, it, Amazon, Amazon, and Google and Microsoft are going to solve it. Do you think the big cloud block players? I think they are at because, scale because they have so much data and so many different companies running on it. They can detect better than a company can on their own. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be clear. I think it's going to be a big push, a further push. The cloud p- shift to public cloud is happening in a big way, but I think it's going to be accelerated as people realize that AM- AWS is more secure than anything you can run in your own yes. firewall. So
1: I, I want to push back a little on Tim, so I, I actually do believe that they do have incredible
2: capabilities,
1: but I think there's a myth of detection Right, because the issue is that if you rely completely on detection, when something bad happens, you're basically screwed and this is how the bad stuff I mean if you work in a hospital, you know, you wouldn't go from patient to patient without washing your hands or putting on a pair of rubber gloves, right? You wouldn't do that. That's so there is That's a there is a kind of forensic hygiene that comes through prevention systems that people don't do in today's dynamic, distributed, and hybrid world. And the systems you know haven't really risen to do that. And there's two factors. One, they haven't done it, and then the second one is that enterprise software just kind of sucks, right? Meaning that the experience that people have to use systems is actually, I think, one of the biggest inhibitors to um, to using actually good security technologies. I'll give you an example. So you were just talking a second ago about, um, you know, not just blockchain, but you're talking about machine learning, you're talking about all this data. There's an enormous amount of data that has to be parsed, right, it is just, it is is mind boggling and we're still counting on people
0: to do things. Well the machines have to fill in the gaps. Well, the machines have to be operated by people and at the end of the day, I mean, even, well, well, even the machines. I was talking to guys at Facebook and they, yeah. the fact that the, the amount of data that they're streaming on their platform is so massive that they, they, have, they have to write algorithms to, write, to protect the algorithms the algorithms because there's so much that they're missing that they have to use the math but, but, to statistically figure out what they might miss because they can't even do the streaming in real time. But, yeah. you, have,
1: but you have a person operating software, yeah. right? And people are the kind of the weak link in the chain and from a security point of view and they have really lousy experience using most software today and if you're going to have that bad experience, the concept that you're going to do the right things from a security point of view are going to be weak, and in general, just people have, I mean, Pat, you know a little bit about this, right? I mean,
0: people are not... So Pat, Pat, Tim Tim says Amazon is going to be great, and I would agree with him, by the way. I think at scale, you have a new set of data that's just going to give you like night vision goggles with respect to security, things you've never seen before, but to get back down to the plumbing problems we had today that you brought up, um, the plumbers out there are the ones to put in the patches. That's the old school. Mm-hmm. Very old school. Um, and I've heard the phrase in Silicon Valley, the plumbers are turning into machinists, to your point. Pushing buttons. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you buy that, and if that's the case, what's the job of those machinists in the network now?
3: Yeah, I, I think people pushing buttons is yesterday's world. I, I don't think that's So clear. they're not plumbers anymore? No, I think you don't need or plumbers anymore. So the machinists are gone? No, I think, I think the whole concept of plumbing itself can actually be automated, and we're seeing a lot of that happening everywhere. Uh, whether it's in infrastructure, whether it's in software, it's actually, it's just happening. So I don't think, I think button pushing is 10 year old, sort of 10 year old technology.
0: But there's a lot of it that still exists out there, yep. whether it's in infrastructure or whether it's in software. Pat Calhoun is an entrepreneur. While you're here on the hot seat, um, you raise the seed round, share. Sh- uh, series A. Series A, sorry, series A. Series Sk- a. He's a famous Sin. entrepreneur,
2: so he can skip uh, right past yeah. the <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's all the same to me. First round, first round of funding in. Uh, who's
3: the investor? Uh, first on, I guess it's the first time I actually say this publicly, so it's General Catalyst, so top and- tier. Steve Herrod. Steve Herrod, exactly. All right, yep, Steve Harrod. Great guy.
0: Congratulations, uh, ex- former CTO of VMware, one of our CUBE alumni, of course, happy to see that. How much did you guys put, they put in?
3: Uh, they put in eight million. No, that's a Series
0: yeah. A, that's legit. Yeah. No, that was, it was a clear, <laughs> legit, to that's quit. legit That's legit. <laughs> <not, laughs> that's yeah. legit. You have yeah. board meetings with yeah. that kind of cash. Yeah. 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 No, and, and,
3: and we were oversubscribed, so back to your problem, we were like, this is so we Tim, had to say so no. So, Tim, your fund
0: has been very successful. I've been watching you uh, start Pivot North uh, for you know, multiple years now. I went on your own as an entrepreneur. Uh, was originally working the same office with Greg Sands, who's been on, the, on here on the show mm-hmm. before. Uh, you're now on your own. You're on
2: what, your third fund? Uh, yeah, just close fund three. Just close fund three. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. The uh, the entire VC ecosystem has really been rebooted over the last six seven years. So my fund model is identical to what Sequoias was 20 years ago. So Sequoia used to write the first check uh, in a founder with two three four people in a room. They'd write a million dollar check for 20 percent of the company, and then they'd march shoulder to shoulder with that entrepreneur from beginning till IPO. Um, back in 99 2000 as sort of the money started flooding into venture. The former real early stage guys, you shifted up to writing Series A checks, and then writing Series B checks, and then 07, 08 with mm-hmm. with Facebook, and you know it, it shifted up to writing Series C, D, E. got okay, pretty frothy. Um, so Angels took that uh, those seed rounds for a while. Uh, now uh, there's about uh, there's probably 300 uh, GPs doing seed. There's probably 35 that mm-hmm. I think are are really really high quality guys, um, and so nearly every entrepreneur who's not famous. If you're famous, you skip right past the C, go straight to an A. Uh, Unless
0: you want someone like you that's, good, that's been there, as a good advocate and, and partner.
2: But I think if you look at every, I think every deal, every great deal where, it, where it's not a multi-repeat time founder, I think we'll be backed by this new class of micro VCs, mm-hmm. and uh, the LPs are happy, the LPs are eager, here to come in. Yeah, you're
0: also feeding your feeder network as well for the big guys and it's a trust relationship. Talk about the dynamic when you started in, in uh, your micro VC or it was called Super Angel back in there they kind of yeah. rebranded it called micro VC because you only have like 25 million in the fund. The world's changed. I remember we had a conversation when you first started you were like well look at the generational shift of who's in the firms and you've seen kind of a flushing of, the, of the, some of the talent
2: Yeah, I think uh, over it, the years. What's yeah, different it, it's now? It's really interesting if you look at all the, all those of us who are running uh, micro VC firms, most of us apprenticed in in other Sand Hill Road firms first, and then spun out. Greg, same thing. Uh, so, in in the seed stage, all of us have experience being inside of a high growth startup ourselves. So, operating wise, we've we've seen it before. We've got the recipe, and then we've apprenticed long enough to to be able to know how to coach. Mm-hmm. At the same time, did you miss know. Snapchat? Uh, and I did not do Snapchat, I did not <laughs> Did do you Snapchat. look at it? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, that was a big,
0: obviously a big home run, but is there a next Snapchat, because you've got a Sequoia model, which by the way is a successful formula. Yeah. I, You're now competing with the Dave McClure's out there, spraying and praying, and then you got the, the spraying, that's a zillion deals, 500 deals or more. How do you differentiate about some of those Y Combinators? Um, yeah, I, and by the I, way, Paul Martino's made a great business with Bullpen Capital. As those guys lose their cash, they go into a zombie mode, and some of them are arbitrageable
2: down yeah. the road. I think we're heading into uh, the post-steroid era of venture. Uh, I think people for a while thought that more money was good and bigger rounds were better and, and unicornization was a, was a positive thing. Um, in reality, you know, look at Amazon. Amazon went public at a 438 million pre-valuation. That worked out just fine for everybody. With my fund, uh, if I buy 20% of a company for a million dollars, I'll do typically my prorata on the A round. And then if you're frugal and you get the unit economics working on the seed round, then all your scaling money's actually go into scaling, not to figure it out. Yeah. Um, you can yeah. get to 100 million in revenue on, on fairly fairly minor amounts of capital. And, and for a while, people thought going small was going slow. It's actually going small goes faster. Think so.
0: small to think big. It's that's it, kind of that's a it. So like I've, got, I've
2: got competitors to my companies. I got one that, um, that were close to 200 million in revenue and we've consumed 20 million of equity. And we've got competitors that have consumed 200 million of equity. Um, So we're growing faster than they are with one-tenth of capital. Because if you focus, if you keep the capital light early, you can get the unit economics working and then scale. And so I think we're going to see a lot more. What do we
0: expect to see from some of these other trends, that steroid era, what's the consequence, what's the impact? Are there dead bodies, not literally, but like you know, Silicon Valley shows coming out, we always talk about on our Mm -hmm. show. You know, this season four is supposed to be pretty hot, but is there going to be carnage? Is there going to be- uh, There's going to be
2: a lot of carnage. And what Uh,
0: what are we going to be seeing on the carnage? What kind of like, what's floating down the river? They're going to die
2: slowly, uh, I think. So if you look at history, and I'm a big fan of of data, um, you know, some of the late stage VCs price zero risk in a company that hits 100 million revenue getting to 500 million revenue, right? And and you look at the pricing of some of these rounds, it assumes there's no risk. That a company that's on top getting to 100 is going to be there at 500. Mm. In reality, only about one in three companies that hit 100 ever hit 500. So if you forego an exit at 100 million and decide to wait for the 500 million revenue exit, t- two out of three are going to go from winners to losers, yeah. and that risk is not priced into the market right now. So I think we're seeing it. We're going to see a shift of that. And you can go through the unicorns and, and pick out one in three that's we'll a love phenomenal this company. Love two out girl. of three that are going to struggle. And so you're going to see some big, you're going to see some big write-offs um, <laughs> in the next handful of years. And well, you're going to also see a bunch of companies that are kind of not growing, but shrinking, but can't get public, and can't get yeah. liquid, and they're going to yeah. be kind of stuck.
1: You know, it's interesting. I'm on the other side of that, Tim, and it's, you know, I think the challenge is when you, no matter how efficient, you should always be efficient with capital, right? I mean, well, that's not the same as being frugal, it's about being smart with money. That's right. I think the big challenge that always is, is, is there a real market there for your product, and how quickly can you get it, and how quickly can you realize it? Because if you're not really growing pretty dramatically in the beginning, it's pretty tough, Together, I mean, I'm on my fourth start. Well, if you're in a together. nascent
0: market, no. we just had the conversation yeah. yesterday with a company that got no, 90 million from NEA. Hmm. They clearly have a market that's developing, so they yeah. they need to the gas to go to market. They have a viable product, so their build-out strategy and the venture architecture is a little bit different. Then there's another company that's in an um, adjacent space that's nascent. They have to kind of wait, so they're kind of on the edge. If they they spend, they go to a cul-de-sac of buyers, right? There's nothing there, so they know if they speed up. It.
1: I, I, was, I, I was in a, one of those bubble startups in, in the, or 2001, right, that was building this huge router with 3G markets, consumed a lot of capitals, except there was no iPhone. And there was no 3G market, right, so we were Damn, all it up. by three years. So we, we figured out, you know, like, Verizon could put one router on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, and maybe have a reserve, and that was our TAM for the United yeah. States. Like, it's so kind of hard to feed 125 yeah. people on a business like that, so I still think the, uh, you know, people like, you know, Mark Andrews came up with the concept of product market fit, but people don't actually think, you know, product market acceptance fit. Well, that's the
2: piece, total adjustable market. Yeah, I, well I, I call it, I, I agree, I call yeah. it product market channel fit. Yeah. Uh, I see lots of lots of companies with product market fit, in theory, where the customer loves what you got, but you just can't get it to them profitably. I mean, I mean a good indication is like
1: people will over rotate on sales and marketing investment uh, marketing right way too early and under invest in engineering, and that's why you see very early in some of these things that you know they've they really been buying their revenue with sales and marketing, and that is just not a great model because um, if, if that's your model, you probably don't really have a defensible technology.
3: Actually, yeah. Alan, I'm just I'm just reminded yeah. you, you were talking about your first startup, but even which one Pat bailed me out my driving this. Yeah, startup. exactly. But, even <laughs> at,
0: but <laughs> how many starts have you done? How many
3: starts have you? Oh, no, I'm on my second one. So, okay. but I, I do remember in the early days we were pitching VCs for Airspace, and the feedback we got back was. Who needs, wi- who needs Wi-Fi? There's plenty of that internet That was before out Centrino there. came out, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, 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 I mean, sometimes there's opportunities and people are just not aware of it. But yeah. what's I think what's for important, AI, you know? But or- I think what's important is that you actually have a solid uh, business model. And and sometimes I see some of these startups and they, I just don't quite understand how they're going to get there
2: from from here. Yeah, and we try to prove out the unit economics. We try to get the channel working on the first million dollars. Yep. And so it always stuns me when a company like has raised 130 million and, and it still hasn't figured it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just, it's, it's so wasteful. Or, or, uh, or
3: these premiums and. and, and yeah, it's and like someday we'll. Exactly, someday, you know, someday you know. we'll get there. Well but yeah, right you're now we're funded, you have to go to
0: market, you have to figure it out. But this is the point about you making making, Tim. I think this is kind of where I'm seeing the two connections on the heavily funded and the more optimized ones where you're looking at companies that have cloud dynamic as well as um, market TAM, go to market, Execution. That's right. So, some companies build it, go big or go home is the big bomb throwing. We've got that discussion on theCUBE where, okay. You know you can do both. You know, you could, you could well, you could be gorilla and hide in the shadows no, and I mean, then scale you, up with cloud, you, for instance. You, yeah. I mean, it's cloud is a wonderful thing. You could just jam, and if you get a TAM, yeah. this is the key, your point, I like, is total, if you go with the total addressable market that is actually actually real and growing, mm-hmm. then it's a function of do you hit it or not?
2: That's right. That's simple and I position. think, you know, yeah. you know, I think, you know, Jeff, uh, I think Bezos got it right. You know, he talks about these two pizza teams, right? If if a team takes more than two pizzas, you know, divide differently. <laughs> um, you know, my teams that have three, four, five, six people way outperform the teams that are too big too early. So like I've got a company that I actually think does real AI, right? It's it's uh, you know, probably the first that does real. Can you real name AI. the company? Uh, it's called Kindy, K-Y-N-D-I. And uh, they kind of do what IBM Watson claims to do, but doesn't yet. So they can take in yeah. hundred thousand documents and become a subject matter expert on it in sixty seconds. It's real AI, right. like the first I think right. of all of these companies. Can they write to a blog
0: post for SiliconANGLE? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can translate
2: some of our Wikibon
0: research into English. You know, there's a company where
2: we 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 on purpose kept the team super small. Yeah. Um, and we've gotten to Series B milestone, so we'll start raising our Series B here shortly. And we've. You know, we've consumed three million of capital, and we've have competitors yeah. that have raised 150. I, and we got more tech than they do.
1: I mean, I agree with Tim. Yeah. When, I, when I met the uh, the alumio founders, Andrew and PJ, right, they were unfunded for eight months, but they were building the company. So by when they finally got the A round, they were well along. They had already talked to, to you know. Well, they were pros customers. too.
0: They knew yeah. they they knew what they were walking into because they were repeat entrepreneurs. They knew they wanted nope. to have. They
1: were, oh, were they first time oh. entrepreneurs. Yeah. Both of them, but they, you know, they, you know there's this They're, not, they're not young programmers, though, they're senior people. No, they're they're senior people, but you know, there's this phrase like, you know, you got to punish the grapes if you want to have great wine, and yeah. I think there's a little of that sometimes yeah. when you're building a company, like a little yeah. bit of hardship and yeah. forcing you to ask those hard questions. Uh, the worst thing you can do is, I think, give somebody, if, they, if they're not sure what they're doing is a pile of money yeah. and they write a product requirements document over a bottle of wine and then try to take out a market.
0: Well, the bubble <laughs> that's bursting now in the yeah. Bay Area certainly is that uh, I'm a programmer, I have an idea, uh, fund me. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, my, is that pretty accurate, Tim? Is that pretty much over now, or, yeah, yeah, or is think, it more I give think, me the proof points? Yeah, I
2: think we're blessed now. Uh, we just have this opportunity, or I call it the recipe. If somebody's been been through a high growth startup before, they don't necessarily have to have been the founder, but if they've been a key player in a high growth startup, I call it the recipe. If you, if you have investors with the recipe, funding founders with the recipe, things things go really well. So, I think some of the sort of visitor. Playbook or recipe lists, kind of thing. Yeah, so, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things, it's like if you've been through a high growth startup.
0: You get the game.
2: You don't need to describe to some, you know. If somebody's been through it, you don't need to describe it to them, and if they've never been through it, it's impossible. You know, the old, the old yeah, quote, right? Yeah. Um, there's just so much you learn by being through a high growth startup as an operator that if your VC doesn't have it, it's going to be a nightmare. All right. Mm-hmm. And uh, if your founder doesn't have it, it's it's that much more work. So every once in a while I'll back somebody who's just an incredible technologist but doesn't have the recipe yet, but then you surround them with, uh, the rest of the team has the recipe.
0: We're here with Tim Connors, Pat Cohen, and Alan Cohen here on the Silicon Valley Friday show. Final question before I get to my secret question that I've been holding back. Um, (laughs) What are people missing in Silicon Valley right now? Go down, each of you, like take a minute to explain something profound around, what are people missing about Silicon Valley right now? Commentary, color, is it, you know, we're going back to old school or things are moving out of the system, new things are happening.
1: I don't, I don't know if I've said this on your show, but I'm, I'm gonna jump on this, John, first. Um, I actually think that we have kind of a lack of social connection. And I'll give you a really interesting observation. So, I've never worked in Seattle, but I've watched what kind of what Microsoft people do when they got out of, out of, out of their jobs and their senators, their foundation, starters they're they're doing things Uh, we have a really intense culture focused on winning and competing building and and financial rewards and you know i you know we're not putting up let's say as many museums like the original Robert barons also built all the museums the opera houses and all those things and you know we're at a period of time that for us to mature as people i think we actually build better businesses if we have a better tie to the community um, and I, I don't. I don't want to use the phrase "giving back," but actually thinking that the community you live in is not a place where you come to work, or it's a place where you go shopping, but it's actually you're you're actually part of that fabric. And I'm starting to see the. Are season. you saying that
0: people flee the jurisdiction once they get their cash, like go to Nevada or Seattle, where there's no state? No, no. Pass.
1: I actually think you have to. Put is, your that, yeah, is that yeah, the no, issue, no. or is it more of
0: they just say, <laughs> "Fuck, move to get, hit the beach and don't give back."
1: I think, I think the issue is you got to put your time back into the community and I think you've got to figure out what you can do. So you're saying Silicon Valley
0: people don't, exact successful people aren't doing enough of that.
1: I don't think there's enough of it. I think you see it in other, uh, we're a major metropolitan area. You see it in other major areas. I grew up in New York. There was always that connection, right? New York's a great cross section yeah. of the world. No matter
0: how you made your money, whether you were shipping, you know, they're in the Prohibition or whatever, <laughs> he built museums. Is that yeah. what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I think I All think right. there's cool. an element. I think, it, and I think what it does is you build better people, you build better institutions, you build better longevity when there's that kind of connectivity. And I think it's a period of time that's going to become yeah. a bigger issue for people.
0: Well, we just did a show last last week. We did a segment on the show around uh, social change, and I was we headlined uh, AI as social change. Um, booth at South by Southwest for Intel, mm. the Cube did. And it was a home run, it stole the show. They thought a uh, virtual reality was going to be the, be the uh, steal the show at South by. It was AI and social good was a huge connector. Mm. So yeah. I think you're onto something with that, this whole notion.
1: I can't stumble into it occasionally. It's, yeah. it's yeah. well
0: there's this generation, I think post 9-11 coming into the workforce that are like, hey, you know what? What are people, what are they worrying, all these old guys? we're gonna. Let's just do some social good, you know. By the way, that's why you yeah.
1: should probably fund those programmers, or uh, I don't know what the, how you say it any other Bro-gal. way. Bro gals bro gals but because uh, I think it's uh, that's not what I'd say. So, um,
3: uh, but you just did. I just repeated I what he said, <laughs> and um,
1: I, I, I can't recall. So. Um, <laughs> but I think that generation's going to want more of it, yeah. and if we, as the leaders, and gray hair in this industry, we're actually really going to be more out of touch with All right, that. What
0: are we missing in Silicon, what are people missing about Silicon Valley that they should know about um, on the upswing, downswing? I mean-
3: so what I'm actually, so it's really interesting, I get to work with a lot of engineers, and with my new startup now, I've been interviewing a lot. And what I'm actually seeing is that there's this class of engineers that actually want to go work for consumer-based companies, right, because they think it's cool. I think what consumer consumer software is really, really cool. On the other hand, what consumer software doesn't do really well is scale. They don't really know how to get there from here. Or sometimes the business models don't really exist. Mm-hmm. And so, but on the other hand, you got the software engineers that actually understand the business model, so they actually want to go work for, a soft, for an enterprise software. And what I think what I'm what I'm seeing, because I'm in the middle of it, I'm actually seeing the worlds clash. I'm actually seeing consumer software people, enterprise software people hanging out in the same bar, which you'd never see before. Uh, as far as that, we want to go hang out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah exactly. It's drinks for everyone. So, uh, and uh, I, uh, there's a well, huge Well, Enterprise is cool again, here. but it's
0: not, it's hard to crack the code on well, the Enterprise.
3: But the problem with Enterprise, and I, you know, I talk to customers a lot, is that the bar for, on the Enterprise side, they're looking at the past 10 years, 10, 15 years, and that's the bar. So like, as long as it doesn't suck as much as what 10 years was before, it's good. But I, that's I, but, a good opportunity for anybody. Exactly, yeah. but, but I think the bar now is really consumer software. You need to look at consumer software. Yeah. I was talking to a customer two weeks Ago, and they spent two weeks, they had 15 people, two weeks on the road training their employees on a particular piece of enterprise software. It's like, what's the last time you went through any form of training for you mean anything like, a, on your like phone? a software app? Yeah, exactly, and like, I'm, I am don't do that on my phone. And so, okay. I, I think the world is changing. Sounds like Lotus Notes back in the 90s. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. it's happening, today's software, so, but. Uh, so, software but, basically still sucks in the enterprise. It still sucks in the enterprise. It's a huge opportunity there.
0: Yeah. Tim, what are we missing? You see a lot, too, over the years. I mean, Silicon Valley, I mean, I said a couple shows ago, it's got a big PR problem, certainly the Uber thing, you know, and I'm big, I think Silicon Valley's rocking, it always has been, and I think there's elite bubbles in New York and D.C., and I think people tend to jump on the Silicon Valley hate wagon these days, and uh, They hate us because they they, hate (laughs) us. (laughs) Well, there's not enough museums, we're going to fix that. (laughs) Alan's going to donate all his cash he made from his (laughs) all-star. Tim, what are we we missing? What are people
2: missing? Yeah, I think- The picture. Well, I think I think there's uh, I think there's a I totally agree with uh, the sentiment of uh, giving back and paying attention to the to the bottom 30, 40 percent of the population. I'm starting to see some interesting startups emerge mm-hmm. to try to solve some of those problems. Um, but I think Silicon Valley has 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 I agree has just completely ignored the issue. And you can just look at it from Palo Alto to East Palo Alto, right? Uh, and the and the, the differential there and and. Uh, What's been interesting to me watching the politics? I grew up back in Indiana, right? So Facebook's algorithm was... is like thrashing, because half of my half of my friends are in in uh, Indiana and half are in California. and The two are now worlds you're apart. Now you get to my
0: secret question. It's coming up next. Right, the, the, the worlds,
2: are, uh, uh, worlds apart. I, I've been uh, maybe I'll challenge Silicon Valley a little bit in that I'm surprised I haven't seen more. Where right now we're just throwing money at both sides of the uh, of the political aisle, and. You know, we've come up with technology standards like 4G, that worldwide standards to put a smartphone in everybody's pocket. We certainly can figure out healthcare. No,
0: I agree. But we're not going to
2: solve he- we're not going to solve it by taking selfies this side taking selfies with Hillary and this side taking he- selfies with Trump and throwing money at. I haven't $1, seen one selfie with term. Trump. It's from Silicon Valley. So well, if you find
0: that, I'm from. I, I grew up in Indiana. I've okay, seen lots of okay.
2: them. <laughs> the, uh, but I-, I think we can. You know, if we come together and look at the stand the way we've set standards with IEEE and Web standards. Why yeah. can't we come together and figure out how to solve yeah. healthcare and some of these big issues? Well, well, right? Why know. can't we simulate? Why can't we simulate the um, the economy? We can simulate right. um, yeah. weather and hurricanes and passive hurricanes. Why can't we simulate what the implication? of Trump care or Obamacare is going to be, so we're not experimenting on humans. Yeah, this is exactly what well, Jeff a small and I group talked of about. People
0: well this is a this is the thing really I want to get, just stay on this for a second, this brings in the whole political thing, which we don't want to talk about, but there's a tech angle to this. And by the way, the audience responds to this, I get Facebook feeds go crazy when I write talk about politics. Half say don't do it, say, the other half say, but this is the point. It, they treat Obamacare repeal, or fixing it, whatever you want to call it, as a one and done thing if you take agile development and take a kind of a computer science mm-hmm. approach say hey let's get the data let's instrument the numbers has anyone looked at the data has anyone instrumented healthcare has anyone done a simulation let's run a yeah. black souls algorithm up in the cloud on zillion yeah. amazon computers yeah, yeah. And we then have you look at it and then you could roll it out and then have iteration so why not do a bill that says checkpoint every 6 months a scrum of congress that's it
2: and, you know, everybody's bringing up, you know, hey, is going to take jobs, so we need to go to universal basic income, right? Uh, last time I checked, just handing people money didn't necessarily work very well, right? Uh, and sending them to work and amplifying hours that they work yeah. would be a better system, I think. Um, but, we, you know, we, we have two billion people living in public. Why can't we simulate what the economic response is going to be, right? We can predict how many iPhones are going to sell with pretty good accuracy. Yeah. Why can't we predict how people are going to respond to different incentive yeah. systems? And then simulate it out 10 years and help these poor, these congressmen want to do the right thing, right? But, you know, imagine being Paul Ryan's chief of staff and trying to come up in 90 days with a healthcare bill, right? It's, it's, it's impossible. It's, it's, I mean, it's but we impossible. should be able to help in Silicon Valley. We've solved every other problem. Why can't we solve some of these big political problems? Yeah. There should and be I, a
0: funding I, for that. I mean, then, then the outcome should be you get the contract and you could be the platform for yeah, it. I mean,
2: I'd love to see Zuckerberg put, with the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, put a put hundred million of that into, uh, a, a founder with the recipe to go build a simulation engine to simulate everything that's coming out of Washington, and pick what you want. You want a ba- yeah. bu- balanced budget with with lower rates of poverty. What should the policy? You can roll be some done?
0: game theory out on whether we drop the nukes on North Korea and see how the impact there would be. I mean, you can do all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, take the war deficit down. I mean, look at. All, I mean, just it's a huge numbers game. I don't, you know. Yeah. Okay. What's your thoughts on this? You're, you're quiet, and you got something well, to say. Well, you know, so look,
1: I'm married to a cardiac nurse practitioner, right? So we talk about healthcare a lot, and you know, we watched the rise of the insurance. It actually was chased my wife out of working in medicine, right? Because she spent more time doing insurance paperwork than treating patients. Um, I think that, and I think Tim was on this. You know, I think we need kind of science-based outcomes and not hyperbole-based outcomes to dealing with. Um, healthcare because it's a really important issue and it's it's not something that if you don't have expertise in it that you, you, you can just you know throw out uh, you know your your opinions. But I think I like what he said about standards. Actually, Pat's a big standards wanker. Walk- He's written lots of standards. Um, and you know, and if you think about what he just said, is that when you work in a standards body in technology, you have the most ruthless competitors in technology. Find something that they can get together on. And come out with it, right? And but then after it's out there, they're going to kind of destroy each other yeah. to go win because they the, the battle. mutual benefit of the standard. You know, but they watch. It's actually yes, they see the entire industry move forward, yeah, right? And I think, um, yeah. and it, that's why I was probably hinting a little bit at the social fabric because when you have social fabric, you actually have. Currency, currency to work yeah. with people, and when all you have is economic warfare, you don't have that currency. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well guys, uh, thanks for spending the time yep. on the Look Friday show. Uh, Tim Connors, Pat Calhoun, Alan Cohen. Alan's such a guest, we're thinking about calling it the FC, the Furrier Cohen on SV. Uh, well, I'm going to take I mean, my options you know. from that, I'm <laughs> going to put it into
1: the FC um, Fund for Rehabilitation then, of uh, East Palo Alto. Tim wants <laughs> to do yeah. this the
0: CNBC for, on the internet. <laughs> Guys, great conversation. You got, a, you got venture capitalists, you got entrepreneurs, and experienced folks all here. Great, uh, great conversation. Thanks for watching the Silicon Valley Friday Show here in Palo Alto. Thanks for watching.